1: wheelhouse dna
0: hi everyone my name is boy Coladay, and i'm chris sartel and welcome to the future forecast a podcast where we explore the intersection between business technology and entertainment if you don't know me i'm the co-founder and president of the future party which is a community-based media company for creative professionals we have a daily newsletter where we talk about culture and technology and we also host a ton of different community events around the country
2: And I'm the co-founder and CEO of Crosschick Studios, a Gen Z media company
0: built by Gen Z for Gen Z. At the Future Party, we are so proud of the business and the community we've built, so we had the idea to create this show to dissect and explain some of our most interesting stories. Today, we're looking ahead. We're going to talk about Disney's behind-the-scenes drama, a new game-changing streaming service, and what Jay-Z's acceptance speech at the Grammys means moving forward. But first, let's catch up. <laughs> there's a lot of drama. What are you smirking about? I just think, I just think there's
2: a lot of drama this week. There's a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean I am not saying I don't like it. I'm saying I I'm, I'm intrigued to discuss it and learn more and here's some takes
0: on what we think it all means. Well, before we get into that, we're you're in uh Vegas right now for the bowl. <laughs> the drama Chris has lost all of his money
2: <laughs> betting and gambling all of his wages.
0: How is it out there? What, what's it? What's it feel like?
2: Cold. Is Cold. It? Uh, yeah, actually, same weather as, uh, as LA. Truly, like we did not escape. Raining the whole thing.
0: Uh, what about the yeah. like the football scene? What's what's going on out there? It's starting to pick up now. It started uh,
2: Monday and Tuesday. You can start seeing them closing off the uh, the streets, figuring out the traffic flow, how it's going to all work out. It's still quiet ish. But man, uh Thursday, Friday is gonna be in big you got some parties oh, on, yeah. on your radar. It's already packed. The amount of parties that are locked and loaded both on Friday and Saturday. Like like the like the ones that are really competing with one another mm-hmm. is insane. To to see the party list and just go, what is going on? Dude, you got awesome. a
0: packed weekend. That sounds really fun. I you will know, be- <laughs> hopefully I can stay stay up, you know. Yeah. Get some I- caffeine. I will be chilling on my couch uh, hanging out. Who are you rooting for? I don't really have like a huge horse in the race. Really, I would have loved to see the Ravens and Lions play, but, you know, we'll still have fun.
2: I'm just excited for the ads, though. That's what I want to see. Are I you see like, usher, pushing the is, is
0: who I'm watching just the halftime.
2: <laughs> I think maybe I'm like, maybe Justin Bieber's going to come out and another hot take is going to be right. Yeah. Little do you know, Justin Bieber was caught singing the performed recently. Just this I last saw. week he's warming up. Mm. He's, he's warming, warming up. up, baby. Yeah. That, 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 that's what I'm saying. He's warming <laughs> up. Cool. Be careful, boy. Eh? Put it on the board.
0: All right. Well, let's get into um, our first topic for the day. Uh, we're going we're going to talk about Disney board drama. So, There's some tensions behind the scenes. We've been hearing about it ever since really Iger stepped back into the scene. Right now, it seems like there's some hostile takeover happening, especially in lieu of their 2024 shareholder meeting on April 3rd. High level, there's three major players vying for control of Disney's board. So let's go through them. One, Disney, they already have 12 nominees for directors, tried and true, Iger's squad. Then you have uh Nelson Pelts at Trion Partners. Uh he has been jockeying for power over the last year. He really wants to shake up the board with himself and uh an ex-Disney CFO Jay Rasulo as directors. And a new entrant is this group called Blackwell's Capital. They actually support Bob Iger, which Nelson doesn't, with Blackwell's sort of play. They have three nominees that they want to put forward. So really, essentially, these three parties are fighting both privately and publicly for control. And it feels very succession vibes. It's actually quite hilarious. And it's going to be interesting to see how everything shakes out because everyone has sort of their own agenda. For example, Blackwell's wants Disney to focus on on VR and this cool real estate play and Nelson, actually, people have no idea what he really wants. It seems like he just wants to stick it to Bob, but it, it's, it's really fascinating to see play out in real time. I can only imagine what it's like at a level
2: that high when so much is at stake. It's like running for president. You're like, I'm the best, I'm the best person for, I'm the best person for the job. So
0: uh, move over and get out of here. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say it's like running for president in in ways it is, right? You know, I I would argue to say Disney is still seen as sort of the epitome of uh Hollywood filmmaking, storytelling yeah. in a holistic familial way. And I I think it's quite funny cuz after Bob Iger left Disney the first time, he there were rumors of him actually running for president. And I believe part of that's probably the understanding that when you're running a place like Disney, you get a taste of what it is to be king of the castle. It feels like people that these folks are running for the power of the heart of the entertainment industry. And I, I think there's blood in the water, regardless of where you stand and how you feel. I think the fact that there are these different warring factions is is just not good at all. It's like where there's smoke, there's fire. Why now? Clearly, these people are wanting to take control because they feel something is not right. So the question is, how does the ship get righted and how does it get righted
2: quickly? I think it also highlights so much of how does anything get done during that type of turmoil, Right. If everyone is vying for control, most oftentimes no one wants the other side to get something completed. And so it just seems so counterintuitive. Obviously, this is not a new story. It's something that happens at any company or any business, or even look at, look at our government, not to get political here on the show, but more to say that it's pretty astounding to see that we're even able to get anything done when people are always vying for control.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's a hard task to manage your board and manage the company, but it's it's being done. Iger is doing it. I think he's doing it in part because he knows that he has to do things like cuts and really change the game in order to keep the board at bay. But, it, you know, what's funny is Blackwell's, one of the people jockeying for power, said in a letter to shareholders, Disney may simply... Be too complex for any one successor so they actually support Iker as as maybe being one of the only people at at this current point in time that can manage all of these moving parts and so i don't envy anybody who might step in to manage because it's definitely really difficult i, I think what's also really funny just so you you know i part of part of me is curious to know how much of this is really actually these people caring about the business versus ego. For example, Nelson is actually decently tight with Elon Musk and Blackwell's Blackwell's calls this out, you know, and they say that Peltz essentially per Blackwell is seeming to focus his efforts on soliciting endorsements from Elon Musk who quote unquote doesn't own a single Disney share and is aggrieved at Disney for withholding advertising dollars from his struggling social media platform, aka X. And also, Elon just came out funding actress Gina Carino's lawsuit against Disney for firing her over comparing her political opinions to the persecution of the Jews in the Holocaust. And so it feels like like Elon might also be behind the scenes pulling the string. Like it's not just like, oh, Disney's in trouble, but it's Maybe I want some revenge. You mentioned ego. And I have to imagine
2: that Bob Iger, his ego has got to be a little bit beat up at this point, right? I mean, you come out with a book, you're seen as the most revered, most astounding executive, you know, in the last 10 years, you were doing a victory lap coming out of the event. The Avengers had already established itself as like the best franchise out. You, you, you'd made so many brilliant moves or what were perceived as fantastic moves. You left, you were on your swan song and then you come back and it's just falling up. What seems to be falling apart in front of you. It kind of resets
0: time or history
2: for his lineage.
0: No. Yeah. I think it's funny. Bob reminds me of the classic sports athlete or star who retires and then comes back right and then has a mediocre season and we're just Tom Brady Tom Brady Brett Favre I think Jordan did it it's like why'd you even come back like just chill you know like why tarnish your legacy and I think this particular situation is actually I feel a little bummed out for for him uh and look we're still in the middle of it he could turn it around But he must be thinking, like, what did I do? Because he left, as you were saying, at the top of the game. In fact, he strategically left. I feel like he had insider information because he left right before COVID hit America. It was, like, in the rest of the world in China, and he left. So he left on top, didn't, didn't need to touch COVID, and he could have been revered as one of the greatest CEOs of all time in America couldn't let go and came back and now everything's in disarray. By the way, the reality is the stuff Bob worked on is what's impacting this current moment. So I, I do believe Bob Iger is responsible for what is happening to Disney right now. That's a hot take. Well, it's just fact. Now the issue is if he would have left, it would have been Bob Chapek's fault. But now that he's back and the rope is clearly tied to him. And I'm not, I'm not faulting him because he did do so much for the brand like Disney plus all the acquisitions, but it's the same moves that he did that are now sort of unraveling. Those same acquisitions are, are unraveling in different capacities. Disney plus and streaming is struggling not to say they were bad moves, but I think history is cyclical and they were the right moves at the right time. And now we're kind of in the Valley and someone needs to take Disney to the next level, but he could have been the individual to not have to deal with it and been seen as a great. Whereas now he's kind of seen as the problem, in my opinion. So sad, sad to see those things happen. Always need a scapegoat though. Right. Always need someone to blame. Well, let's talk about the next topic. So in the same vein uh, of Disney, they're actually banding together with Warner Brothers Discovery and Fox, and they're launching a new streaming service to combine all of their sports programming under one umbrella, which is wild. So it's going to have ESPN, TNT, and Fox Sports on a new standalone app with new branding. And speculation is that it's going to cost $75 to $80 a month. Would you pay for that? 75 bucks. I don't know if I'm the right person to ask necessarily. Cause I'm, I traditionally, I haven't been like a huge sports person. I've only recently gotten into football. So I think the right. question is, would the average person buy this? I think yes, because it's going to house basically most American sports under one roof. It's a really smart move at this time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The question is, is you're going to rebrand it? What will that branding look like? Who controls that? My immediate thought is you have three, what it's, you said mourners, Fox and Disney who sits in the driver's seat, right? They're all three big. They're all going to want ownership over the IP. They already have it, but like someone has to be the driving force. So,
0: well, this reminds me a lot of Hulu when a bunch of the big sort of media conglomerates came together and they're all going to own this equally. My assumption is they're just going to install a CEO and, you know, these, these entities now essentially become the board to the operating team who's operating the new streaming platform. For the sports fanatic, I could see
2: it being something utilized because out in market, you'll have NBC, this new entity, Amazon Prime, YouTube TV.
0: There's a lot. You know, there's Fubo, there's um, NFL Pass, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of different platforms, but not everything, in my opinion, is going to wrap up all of these sports franchises, these teams, et cetera, under one roof. The amount of money having to be poured into that is going to be huge. Not not, to, not, not to even
2: mention the marketing that they're going to have to drive and the rebrand that's going to have to
0: push maybe i would buy it maybe i would use that so it's gonna have rights to the nfl nba mlb nhl college football ncaa march madness basketball fifa world cup three out of four grand slam tennis events ufc formula one and nascar i mean what else are we missing what else would anyone want it depends on which games it's very smart to say that you have access to those things right But
2: no different than like amazon prime getting thursday night football that first year those thursday night games were just absolute garbage no one wanted to watch it even though it got viewership all the games that they received were not considered the tier a games so you're watching games that people really don't really necessarily quote-unquote care about unless you're a super fan of the team that you're looking to support
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this platform is expected to launch in the fall for a new NFL season, and I think I'm more interested in kind of rewinding about what this says from an overarching perspective on the dynamics between all these conglomerates, right? For example, Disney spends more on sports rights than Fox and Warner Brothers Discovery, yet each party owns an equal share. You know, Disney is also struggling with figuring out what to do with ESPN, Does this complicate things? Does this make it a little bit more murky and muddy? Also not pictured, Paramount Global, NBC. You know, and Paramount Global is a potential acquisition target. So there's all these really interesting dynamics at play. But at the end of the day, essentially, this is a defense against big tech, right? It is a defense against the Amazons of the world, against netflix spending five billion on tko licensing i think these people are seeing the writing on the wall and by coming together and creating this platform uh, i think that's sort of the defense and i could see it being successful like i said they did it with hulu and hulu's respected you know hulu's a part of the streaming conversation
2: if i can just add one more anecdote i'd say I think what this really forecasts or continues to showcase is just how important live events are to media.
0: I think it is important more than ever. And it's the thing that's helping these streamers and it's the thing that's still propping up cable. So 100% live sports is the secret sauce of the entertainment media industries. And so, uh, you know, my curiosity is going to be does this turn into more than just a sports platform and is this just the beginning so the 66th grammy awards they took place last sunday and a t- i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna let you finish i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> boyer but
2: i just want to say that you are teeing up this topic brilliantly thank you
0: Thank you. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Good work. Good work. Anyways, a lot of media attention has been directed towards Taylor Swift winning Album of the Year. And, you know, there were lots of winners and losers. But one moment that really stood out was Jay-Z's acceptance speech for his Dr. Dre Global Impact Award. Um, It's an honor for Black music creators who have elevated the art form. He brought up his daughter Blue Ivy and he spoke to the room and in his speech, Jay-Z essentially called out the recording Academy for continually snubbing black artists. And he talked about, you know, back in the day how Will Smith and, and DJ Jazzy Jeff boycotted the awards. He boycotted the awards himself when he was nominated in 1998 uh, after Dmx didn't receive any nominations, and the most important thing is he pointed out that Beyonce has more Grammys than anyone ever, but has never won Album of the Year, and so essentially he feels that the math isn't mathing as they say, and I think he's correct, and it's uh, it's opened up a whole can of worms of how the Recording Academy picks and, and judges the winners of the Grammys. That's hard, though, right? Not to play devil's advocate
2: whatsoever. It's still politics, right? It's all popular opinion. So how does one convince you to vote for your album or to vote for your movie without people liking you or being convinced, oh, I'm going to vote for my friend, right? I don't think that people vote always to say, oh, wow, that was the best album or best movie because it's still sub- subjective it's still art right so like how can one prove it unfortunately enough
0: yes i agree that there is a level of subjectivity the issue with the recording academy however is that we don't know who's actually voting and so there is always a level of subjectivity when it comes to voting but voting that is fair takes an equal amount of representation so that the average of that subjectivity is seen and heard. And the issue is we don't know the makeup of the people voting. Is it 90% Hispanic or Caucasian or black? And I think that's where the qualm likely comes from. It's not that Taylor Swift may have won four albums of the year and Beyonce has not. It's that we actually don't know who the person is deciding it, so we can't truly understand the decision-making. Because the, the, um, the academy on the film side that decides the Oscars has gotten blowback over the years of their decisions, but at the end of the day, we know who's in it. We know the makeup, and people can determine if they want to change the makeup, if they want to hold the people accountable making those decisions.
2: When you reflect on it, it is pretty crazy to think. When there's only a few individuals that sell tickets at, at a certain level, and that includes Taylor Swift, Kevin Hart, Jay-Z, Beyonce. To think that you're an act so vast and have made so many profound artistic Pushes both in live performance, but also to say, uh, man, we we all listen to Lemonade. It is pretty crazy to think that a musician of her caliber, an artist of her caliber, has not won.
0: It's interesting at the same time when I think of again. I'm going to reference the acting world. There's huge actors that haven't ever won or. Or it takes years and years to win. Like, you know, think of Leo DiCaprio, right? And I'm not as surprised at it. I'm more curious what's the solution? How do f- people feel comfortable with the decisions being made so that if someone like Beyonce doesn't win, they go, okay, or what needs to change so that? the consensus is really, truly agreed and respected. I'd be curious your thoughts. If you feel like what happens from here, does the Grammys do anything about it? Do they just sit on their butts and twiddle their thumbs? Or do you think that they're going to move towards a level of consensus so that it's not all of these artists like Drake, like The Weeknd, you know, like Jay-Z, having issue with the very body that, is there to celebrate them? One, I don't think it'll change. Hot Take, I would
2: predict that they change it similarly to that, the same way in which the Oscars are talking about how do you celebrate big box office films, right? Like, how do you reward Pirates of the Caribbean, a great theatrical feat, but not necessarily deemed movie of the year? I think what we're highlighting is this battle between what is seen as pure art and what is seen as good business right beck won 2014 i think beck won and and beyonce was also nominated that was a huge outcry it was like no one talked about beck's album why is beck relevant how is this happening it was very odd Mm -hmm. and definitely i definitely think it was like a random one but i think what that does highlight is beck is a profound musician it's that shouldn't take away from his own musical feats and what he's able to accomplish what he's done for his artistry, it's just really highlighting in a way who's influenced more pop culture who's had more impact on the populace. It feels like it's just
0: art versus commerce. That's one of the biggest sort of issues people have with these voting bodies is these voting bodies don't always represent the general populace, right? It's not always a popularity contest. And I think that is maybe a solution that, that could present itself is, is truly explaining why certain things win over others. I do feel that the film world is maybe a little bit better dialed in this capacity. Best director best cinematographer, best picture. It's hard to really disagree oftentimes with the reasons and the qualifications for the people who win those awards. Don't get me wrong. It's competitive and it can be nuanced to choose a film that has a particular style over another style in categories like best writing or best director. But it feels like the audience truly understands the qualifications to winning that award, whereas with music and maybe this is because I'm not in this world as much it feels a little bit nebulous, like, best album. What makes the best album? Is it the producers? Is it Is it the Sonic waves, is it the lyrics? Is it the overall way that it makes your body move? Is it how many people? bought the album so i I don't know i feel like having a little bit more transparency as well in the decision making process of what these people are looking for might help round this out because the biggest album of the year from like a monetary perspective may not win the best album for grammys and and whatever you think whether you agree it should or not I, I think that's always going to be an issue that people will have. I think it's about that time. All the way from Vegas. Hot take time. Hot take time. Chris. Brought to you by the sphere. <laughs> Brought to you by the sphere. Uh, so we got our hot takes. I think you went first last week. So I'm going to go first this week.
1: Please,
0: uh, I'm going to riff uh, my hot take off of the uh, Disney drama with these uh, with the board and, and everything going on, I kind of mentioned earlier, I feel this is sort of uh, a bigger thing, a bigger issue. I don't think it's just about these boards jockeying for control. I believe it is a discontent with the nature of where Disney is at and some people are likening this to around the time where when Michael Eisner was in the CEO position and there were lots of similar issues and that's when Bob Iger came on the scene and became CEO so i am predicting that bob is going to announce his successor soon or he's going to step aside because i feel the pressure is going to be too much for him to sort of come out of this unscathed. And I believe it's going to be either Tom Staggs or Kevin Mayer. Bob has brought back Staggs and Kevin who are behind the scenes, actually doing a lot for Disney, uh, as advisors. And I just think there's too much heat on Bob right now. And look, I could be wrong, especially since Bob's in it and he might need to like, if he wants to keep that legacy intact, he might want to be responsible for turning it around. But I just think this one's hard to get out of. So that's my two cents. What's your hot take? So time and time again, every episode we do, we find
2: the reoccurring theme is always on the future forecast. Media is ever changing. But now more than ever, the media landscape is really changing. So with that, and knowing that the streaming platforms are experimenting more and more, I predict that we're going to see more talent deals being all encompassing so that if you do a deal with Netflix, or if you do a deal with Amazon, or if you do a deal with CBS or whatever, if you're a talent that has audience, they're going to make you exclusive to their platform to help push their specific platform for users. Does that make sense?
0: It's almost like a 360, like what the labels do with like a 360 deal, right? When they yeah. they sign you and they're like, okay, we get your merch, we get your, you know, NFT, we get all of these things. So you're essentially saying these media companies and e-commerce companies are going to do similar things. Yes. I
2: would say, I think the streamers are going to take this on now that we're in a battle for more subscribers yeah. and re- subscriber retention the incentive for it being 360 is because they're going to want all of these talent that have these big followings to constantly put social media posts out to tune in to check me out and they're going to use it not only for their own show but for the collective of all the other shows that they have in their library or that are going to be launched
0: yeah that's a decent prediction well chris it's about that time to end the show no no see you later listener we're gonna miss you <laughs> thanks for tuning in uh find us anywhere you can check out podcasts future forecast like and subscribe and we'll catch you next week the future forecast is produced by wheelhouse dna for Acast. our executive producers are me Boye Kolade, along with fanny Baudry, cassie berman and leah sutherland our audio producer is Chiara Noni. Our audio engineer is Matthew blocka Our editor is Nick Kersimi. The podcast is hosted by yours truly, Boye Kolode and Chris Sautel. Thanks for listening and see you next time.